Welcome to Episode 5 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist. This podcast is about learning to speak the best you can. Better is relative from wherever you are, whether you're a non-native speaker or a native speaker, we can all speak better. We've talked a lot about speech so far, but not so much about voice. And voice is something we can change. I mentioned in an earlier episode that often we don't record ourselves and listen back because we're judgmental about our own voices. Many people don't like the sound of their own voice, but also perhaps because we don't think we can change it. Not all of us have beautiful voices or voices we think are beautiful. It's all very subjective. And most of us aren't singers. I did not learn how to sing until I was 50 years old. You can learn it any time if you know how to do it. Of course, anything if you know how to do it is easy. And I was surprised. I took a class to basically help people with voice quality, and I learned to sing as a result, which was not my original intention, but it was certainly a beautiful outcome. Uh, For the first time when we got in our car, my husband turned off the radio and said, Wow, you can sing! And I was pretty delighted that I was able to sing. I realized I didn't know the words to a lot of songs because I had never been a singer. However, at any time, if you want to improve your voice, you can. Now, to what level? I guess it depends. I'm sure there are music coaches out there that could play piano and teach you all kinds of things. And I know there's some great voice coaches from that perspective. What I'm suggesting is just from a speaking perspective, perspective that you can change your voice without having to sing. In fact, I used to be so surprised years ago watching American Idol. And I would watch these folks sing and it was so beautiful and they were winning and they were going to the top and all this every week. And then sometimes they'd ask them questions, just personal questions like in between the singing. And the voice was so much different. And I thought, isn't it interesting that someone who can sing so well doesn't have a very pleasing and, again, very subjectively making that statement, but someone who speaks in a way that doesn't feel pleasing or engaging yet can sing beautifully. So they are different modalities, although I would argue that some singing exercises can be really useful for improving your voice in general. I've done a lot of singing exercises just in the last 10 years that have really helped me to improve the quality of my own voice and hopefully also my clients because that was really my goal to help people change their voices. So let's talk about why you might want to change your voice. For example, when people talk fast, they don't have as much vocal variety in their voices. And whenever you talk fast, it's kind of hard, right? Because it's rushing out of you. And we talked about breath. Of course, breath is important in singing and speaking. Speaking on the exhale. So that's important. And if you are rushing a lot, it might mean that you don't have enough breath. But the other quality in this vocal variety equation is this monotone sound. And there's lots of reasons people are monotone. Even culturally in the U.S., there are a lot of Americans who speak in a monotone way. And we often equate it with being shy, for example, that shy people have more limited vocal ranges. It might just be because they don't practice using their voices nearly as often. The idea is that vocal variety simply means that you're able to go higher in pitch and lower in pitch than your resonant pitch. And the resonant pitch is just like any musical instrument. If you think of a tuba or a trombone or a, doesn't matter what instrument, a violin, a guitar, any instrument is, has a different sound to it. 
And humans, in a sense, are that way as well. We have a resonant pitch, and you can Google this and watch videos about it. The idea is that we all have a pitch that our voice sounds best at, but many of us pitch up. So when you pitch up, it goes kind of high like that. This is artificially high for me. It doesn't mean that someone else couldn't be at that same level, like measured at the same level, yet it could sound okay on them because we're all physically a little bit different. And the idea is to find your resonant pitch and then make sure that you have a wide range of pitches. That is, go as high as you can comfortably go and as low as you can comfortably go. For different people, that's going to sound different. And then when you speak, you want to consciously, at least at first, I don't think it's always conscious. I think it's kind of like that uh, expression about the unconscious competent. You know, that we all start out sort of not aware of what we don't know, so we're unconsciously incompetent. And then we become aware of what we don't know. We become consciously incompetent. (laughs) And then we get, finally, there's four stages. You get to this point where the third stage is you're consciously competent, and then finally you're unconsciously competent. Like you can do it without having to think about it 24-7. This comes up a lot in my work in accent reduction that people will say to me, well, I have to be so aware all the time. I'm always thinking about how I sound. And that's really hard because we talk in language around form and meaning. So the form is when I'm always thinking about what form of the verb am I using and am I pronouncing the word right? And do I have the ending on there? And did I say it correctly? And the meaning is the content, the message. So if I'm always thinking about form, it's kind of hard to focus on meaning. You can only do so much. So my recommendation is generally to work on form privately, like with your coach and on your own time at home and when you're recording and stuff at home by yourself. And then privately, you're improving your articulation. But when you're in front of people, you're just going with the meaning. Do the best you can and don't agonize over the form. Problem is, when you learn things, you start to notice that you're doing it wrong. And that's great for awareness, but it can be a real credibility buster when you're in front of an audience if you're painfully aware that you're doing something wrong and you weren't even aware before, so you just blasted through. Now that you're aware, things are a little bit different. So the idea is to, yes, you need to be aware so that you can create change, but you don't want to overdo it. And the idea of the unconscious competent is that eventually you get to a point, and I'm told with accent, I do a 10-week course with a lot of people, that two years later they'll tell me when I follow up with folks that they get to a point where they don't have to think about it all the time anymore. But see that delay from two and a half months learning the rules to being able to do it at that point, they can be conscious of it and do it correctly, to two years later being able to do it unconsciously, being unconsciously competent. And that's really the goal, is to be able to incorporate, integrate what you learn, and then be able to speak better all the time without having to think about it. Is it possible? Yeah, of course. I mean, I've seen lots of people do it. I've heard lots of people do it. Is it easy? No, I don't think anything worth having is that easy. And that's one of the big challenges is how do you make it actionable? And that's hopefully what this podcast is a discussion of and maybe motivating you and engaging you to think about how to do. I think it's different for everybody. I don't think we're all at the same place at the same time. And throughout life, it can ebb and flow. You know, we can get really good at something and then backtrack a little bit and then get back on. And usually it's like riding a bicycle, the old metaphor. When you get back on, it's a little bit easier because you know how to ride a bicycle. But if you haven't ridden in a few years, it might take you a little while when you get back on. 
So the idea is that you have to keep practicing and you have to continue with awareness, but you can get there eventually, whether it's speech or voice or whatever it is. But remember the specificity that we talked about. You have to be really clear what you want to work on. So I would recommend working on one thing at a time. One of the biggest mistakes people made when they come to me is they'd say, well, I want to work on my writing and I want to work on my grammar and I want to work on my pronunciation and my voice and wait, 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 wait. That's way too ambitious. Doesn't mean you can't achieve all those things, but you want to put it in the right order. We've talked a lot about that. One of the least commonly asked questions that should be asked is what order do I do this in? I can tell you, too, that a lot of times I got referrals from public speaking coaches, and they would tell me, I need this person's accent to be improved before we can work on public speaking. So typically, clarity comes first. You really want to work on things like breathing, articulating, pronouncing words correctly before you try to become an impactful speaker. I mean, doesn't that make sense? If you're going to stand in front of an audience and worry about your delivery, you want to be a comedian or you want to be a sales trainer or whatever you want to do, if you're doing that in front of an audience, you have to already know how to pronounce words. Now, if you're a native speaker, you can say, okay, I know how to pronounce words. But one of the challenges is we talked about dialect. Let's say you're from a part of the country where you speak a little differently or you're from another country. Maybe you have a Scottish accent or a British accent or whatever it might be. If you want to modify that, it's really important to focus on that first. Do the modification you desire because you want to connect with your audience. There's a reason to do it and then begin to integrate the best practices for public speaking. Because it's really hard to do everything at once. It's too distracting. Earlier we talked about form and meaning, or form and content. If you're thinking about grammar and you're thinking about your messaging, you're gonna have a problem and you're not gonna be able to do it in real time without a script, and we wanna speak without a script. We wanna speak from the heart and be able to use our own words. You can't think about too many things at once. And if you want to improve your writing, take a writing course, you know, but writing is very different from speaking. And it's not like you can achieve everything at once. You want to be very specific about what you want to work on. Some things can be worked on in parallel. I don't think there's anything wrong with taking a writing course and working on your speech. But the thing is, if you're really worried about how you're showing up in the workplace, people aren't taking you seriously and listening to you, you probably don't need to work on your writing. You probably need to work on your speech at that time until you get a good result, until the feedback from these people improves. That's where that feedback loop comes back, where you're checking with them and saying, hey, have I improved with someone who's supportive and will tell you if you have or you haven't. But the message I want to leave you with in this particular podcast is related to voice and whether or not you can change it. So how would you go about changing it? We talked a bit about singing. And I think the idea here is the singing in the shower kind of singing. I'm not suggesting that you have to become a popular singer in front of other people. Uh, not even in a choir or anything like that, although some people do that and love it. But the idea is that if you can sing with the radio or you can do vocal exercises just to improve your exhalation breath. So when you're singing, if you can sustain pitch for a period of time, you'll be able to change your patterns. I've had clients whose pitch changes randomly without their permission. So we talk about vocal variety and having a wide range of pitch, but it has to be within your control. 
So you can choose when you go up and down in pitch. It's not about randomly going up and down. And this is one of the confusions around vocal variety. It's not about just having a whole wide range of pitches. I can go up and down all the time. Because when you do that, it's distracting, irritating even to people, frustrating to listen to a speaker whose pitch is out of control. If it's going up and down randomly, it's not engaging. You have to be in control of your pitch and go up when you want to go up down when you want to go down with intention and the way to control that is to make your vocal folds nice and strong create awareness and work with your brain and your breath and all of that and these exercises where you sustain sounds I recommend using vowels if you're not a singer and your goal is not to become a singer but just a better speaker is to work with vowel sounds and to work with exhalation so you're exhaling breath like you're actively exhaling as you make the sound and if you notice that it varies like that's a light vocal fold engagement you want to work on making that a thicker engagement where the vocal folds press together because if you do you'll be able to hold that sound longer so if you take a word with e in it like people if you're saying the word people people you're not really holding that E long enough. You don't want to just exaggerate and go, people, people. This doesn't sound great either. You have to use the tongue more on the L and you make the E longer. P, pull, lift the tongue. If your tongue doesn't lift and plant, that's muscle memory. And if your E doesn't, the vocal folds aren't strong and you can't hold the E, then it's never going to sound natural no matter what you do. So it's really important, again, to know the order of things, to work on the vowels and the strengthening and all these things, and then focus on controlling the pitch and doing public speaking. Public speaking is usually the last thing because it's not really a natural act. Singing and public speaking is not something that babies do. <laughs> so it's something that we learn to do, but it's not something that we do innately. And for that reason, we have to learn to do it. So if your habits, the things that a baby does do, like breathe and then learn to speak, if those things aren't where you need them to be, you want to fix that first. Fix the articulation, the clarity, the basics before you try to add these elements of vocabulary, expression, this performance that you want to do if you want to be a motivational speaker or whatever it happens to be. You don't want to do that until you have perfected the rest of it. And once you've got the rest of it down and you know your stuff and you can control it, I often have people work on being monotone even if their pitch is crazy. So what I mean by crazy is that it's going up and down and distracting. So if I'm talking to it, it's going up and down and I can't control it, probably because my first language has a different type of pitch pattern, which is fine. But when translated into American English, it's distracting. We need to be able to control it. You can't implement the speech you want until you can control things. So you start by teaching those muscles how to move differently, and it may sound odd. You may have to exaggerate, over-articulate, breathe differently, do a lot of stuff until you obtain a certain amount of ability, a certain amount of flexibility in the tongue, a certain amount of being able to hold the tongue in the right position long enough and dexterity and movement so that you can speak the way you want to speak. So you do that first. Then... You say, hey, this is where I am. This is great. This is where I want to be. And you have that baseline. And you keep going back. And this is where recordings, we keep coming back to, do you record your voice? You want that recording so you can hear the improvement. I can guarantee you that if you stick with it for months systematically, you are going to hear improvement. And that's going to be so highly motivational to you. Wow, my voice sounds so much better. 
The other reason to work on your voice is if you as an adult find changing your accent is really difficult, like the R sound, the endings on words, word stress, whatever it is, it's so hard to change. If you can make your voice sound more pleasing, you can make your tones more pleasing, you can add vocal variety within your range so you have a wider range and when you speak to people you have intention and strategic pausing and you're doing so many things right that you weren't doing right before people can be pretty forgiving about an accent as long as they understand you that intelligibility has to be there you can pronounce words differently in fact that can be your signature move people love an accent if it's just a flavor you add flavor. I've had many clients who said, I actually have a reputation for being whatever that accent is, whether it's Italian or French or Indian or German or whatever it is. For having that sound, people remember me as the person who sounds that way. And it's part of my who I am, not necessarily in terms of their identity, but in terms of recognition, you know, what they're known for. Like I'm known for being a mover and a pusher and an achiever and accelerator. I'm known for having this really signature, beautiful accent. Nothing wrong with that. It's just like having a certain personality. That's great as long as you're an impactful speaker and your articulation is clear. And so all of that is possible and doable. We talked about pitch. We talked a little bit about word stress and also about loudness. In the past, I think we talked more about loudness. But the best way to practice controlling loudness is to think about, if you're by yourself in a room, think about how loud you talk to talk to someone right in front of you and then practice talking to someone across the room and then practice talking to someone far, far away and then come back far, far away, right in the room across from you and right next to you. And can you modulate your voice? Can you control that when you're speaking and be really aware of how loud you are? And if you find that at the top end you're shouting and screaming, that's where you want to spend the time with the breath and the articulation and being able to talk loud without straining your voice. So it shouldn't sound like you're screaming. So for me right now with this microphone right in front of me, this is the person right in front of me speech. If I were to talk louder across the room, I'm turning away from the mic, almost like I'm singing, projecting my voice. Hello, hello. And if I want to go even further away, I'm going to turn away from the mic and go, hello, hello. And there's no strain in that. It's almost like a holler or a call. And you're just simply using your vocal apparatus a little differently. And all of that takes practice, but it's all doable. So I would just encourage you that if you want to change your voice, you can. But you first need to be very aware of your patterns, what you want to change, why you want to do it, what it will do for you, what does credibility sound like, what does being decisive sound like, and then start to integrate those qualities individually and independently and then integrate it with your content and practice public speaking. That's going to come last in the order. But all of this is something you can change. It's about coming up with a list of the things, being aware of what your habits are, prioritizing it. Hey, this is what I'm going to change first, second, third with feedback from other people and with focus and practice. You can get where you need to go. And to me, that's a motivational message because a lot of people think that it's not possible and changing even vocal qualities without changing your accent can be very empowering for people. And it can make your voice very strong, make you feel more confident and more secure when you speak. And those are all good things. 
All of this is about speaking better. We have lots more topics to cover, including vocabulary and the R sound, more about dialects, more about monotone and being engaging, and more about native and non-native speakers, and just all kinds of topics. And I'll continue to brainstorm and come up with others so that we can just continue to enrich our knowledge and our ability to improve ourselves by improving our speech. I look forward to being with you in our next episode and exploring all of this further. Speak better and speak well. 